Disclaimer. The following podcast contains explicit language and adult content. The content may offend some listeners. Relax and don't be a hater. Hello. Welcome to a walk in the park podcast. (laughs) This is Riss. And this is Babs. And in our podcast, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of wine, cake, laughter, friendship, success, families, fun, the extraordinary. We're happy you're listening. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I love it. Let's just get this walk started, baby. Woo-woo. Hello, everyone. This is Babs, and I'm here with a special guest today. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, honey. <laughs> we are trying to record in the car as we are driving, so we will see how this actually turns out. Part three of this multi-part really series about blockchain smart contracts, the way of the future. I'm back here again with Jonathan, and we are going to talk about other uses for the blockchain besides just financial transactions. So I'll turn it over to Jonathan. All right. Well, there are people probably don't know as much but you may about some of these other cases but we've always we already saw about a year and a half ago a spike where people may have heard of nfts oh yes and nfts became wildly popular and became like a little craze and what does nft stand for non-fungible token. Okay, now you're going to have to explain a little bit the difference between fungibility and non-fungibility. Can you do that? Well, okay, I'm so bad at the English language, but <laughs> I think the the concept is that it's something that doesn't really change or get modified or adjusted. Correct. And so it's basically a digital certificate or like this this digital record that relates to something that exists. And in the case of the what people heard about NFTs, the thing that became the craze was the, the digital certificate, the token, which is the actual NFT that's recorded and traded on the, blo- on the blockchain, related to a piece of digital art. And people may have seen that this created this craze where people were creating all these, like, honestly silly little pieces of digital art. Like, many people were buying little icons that they could use as their as their digital um, profile. Avatar. Uh, yeah, avatar, right. I can't <laughs> even think of the term. You know, people were buying and selling avatars like crazy and for crazy sums. And... The NFT, these were getting traded on the on a blockchain, and and you could even have like bidding through the blockchain using smart contracts, and 
And so now, but the thing that you were trading around was just this digital certificate, the NFT. So, but this is a legitimate, while, while there was a craze and it's come back down to earth, um, the ability for artists to uh, buy and sell, or I'm sorry, for artists to sell rights to their work um, and then for people to trade and bid and, um, you know, share or, or trade ownership, uh, that's a, that's an actual, you know, legitimate use of a public blockchain. And, and so we may see more of that in the future as kind of like ownership rights to different, um, different artists uh, artist works and some of those artist works may be digital and maybe we're, we're we'll even see them non-digital like we've begun to see some people sell rights to other artwork through the blockchain and also it's gotten into other tradable goods like um, baseball cards right and collector's say, items yes yeah already other markets exactly. besides just artistic but part of it is and something is in a digital format and you're getting a digital digital certificate saying you own it, I mean, that still doesn't mean somebody just can't grab it off the internet, grab a screenshot, grab something, and then just use it. And therefore, the only proof you have is the digital certificate and you would have to, like, go after them or sue them or something. Like, Absolutely. if you own a Picasso yes. and you own the original and it's in your house, a fake might pop up somewhere, but you physically have control of the piece of artwork and nobody can really That's right. Help. But you but you now the, the, the public blockchain gives you a public record that you could show any government, any legal entity to say, I own that. Right. This person doesn't have the right to use that. Right. And that's where we start getting into some other uses of blockchain because it it has been discussed that blockchain and, and some governments have already started to investigate the use of blockchain as the public record-keeping system. So, again, you know, if I own – if we own a house or I own a car, somebody has to keep a, keep the record that says this is the registered owner. Mm -hmm. And today – that is computerized, but it's computerized by uh, governments. It's There's no coherent, like, universal place you can go right. to see everything. That's right. And everybody's having to, like, spend a lot of money building computer systems. Right. And so we could create a more efficient and more sh shared system using uh, a blockchain a shared blockchain, a public blockchain. And so this is in another area where we may see public records move to um, blockchains. And it could also be tied to different ways to finance. So, for example, um, if we own a, if somebody owns a house, it's not that easy for them to – it becomes more complicated if you wanted to have, like, let's say – a hundred people jointly buy a house. Like if if a hundred seems absurd, but well, okay. think about people who flip houses. Like 
if you wanted to buy a house, fix it up, and then sell it, like we we've seen people do that individually yeah, or in small I think groups. I think a hundred relative to yeah. a house is a little bit agreed. Agreed. Not but, a good example. <laughs> but we may see more of shared ownership and different things could happen again sure. if we move to kind of public records. Um, so that's public records is another potential future use of blockchain. I personally think it is the most transformational use of blockchain that the average everyday person can see value in. I think you need to separate out complicated financial transactions on the blockchain that are frankly tainted by the whole cryptocurrency criminal aspect of you know, not only that, but another problem that people have trouble understanding, they think the blockchain, but really, really cryptocurrency is like, it's not tied to anything. It has no value. Like, all you're doing, and, you know, I've told people, I'm like, well, supply and demand. I'm like, and also, the dollar hasn't been tied to the gold standard since, what, the 70s? So, I think people don't think about, really, they think of that as a bigger leap. But I think records is really where the average everyday person will see. That's where I think they embrace the blockchain, not with this other more complicated stuff. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I think that, um, again, there are, there's kind of side, side notes to each of these areas we've talked about. Like with NFTs, um, people, we're already seeing a bunch of gaming systems. Like if, you know, I'm not a gamer, um, Babs, I don't think you're a gamer, but gamers know, people who really love games know that a lot of these games, as you play the game, you can earn things or you can buy things and like you may get weapons or right. you may get levels. And what we've started to see is some people, some gaming systems now let you, if you earn something in one game, you might be able to take it over to another game right. and use it there. And so... People are using some of the gaming software is starting to use public blockchains and NFTs as a way to kind of, you know, share, move things across because the user can say, hey, I got this thing in another game and now I can use it here. Um, in the public record space, one of the um, things that actually first got me interested in blockchain is voting is voting public records being a kind of a subset of public records how do we actually keep track of voting results uh we always hear about these audits that go on and these you know recounts and all this stuff and people are using uh computers a public blockchain could be a better way to keep a record so that we would all know and we could trust the results of elections. So well, that, that's an interesting space. I'm glad you brought that up because, honestly, that is probably one of the potentially most important transformations or uses of blockchain technology that would be more controversial, unfortunately, than public records. Like, public record-keeping for other things like that we've just discussed. I mean, you'll have people who will just be inherently nervous and uh, squawk boxing or, you know, about privacy in general and everything being visible and transparent on a blockchain. But 
with voting, I mean, you could see where that is just so, such a critical Yes, I think people, area. well, because it ties into politics, which right. ties into people's uh, yes. agendas, yes. I, I agree, so I agree, it's probably going to take a lot longer, like we will probably see public records moving to blockchain much quicker than we'll see major countries moving elections, right. because people don't actually, in many cases, and we could name names, yeah, could. but certain people don't want accurate counts. Yeah, that's right. So so someday we can hope, but, but it is an interesting... Now, within subsets of smaller groups, I think we're already seeing blockchain being used for elections, and so smaller groups may, may utilize it, but well, on a big scale. Like corporate, like corporate, shareholder elections, that's right? right? That's like right. That. And yes, and organizations that uh, are are trying, are organizations that are striving to be more transparent are moving, are already starting to look at blockchain or use it. So right. I think we'll see some of that. Um, and well, then, this is a good segue. Of sorry. Is there something else important? Well, I thought you brought up, I thought you, you brought up, I think in part, one of our prior parts, the idea of medical records. and that's Okay, the, before we go into that, because yeah. that could take us somewhere, and I apologize, listeners, if it seems like we're jumping around too much, but I just the fact that we're discussing all these different uses for the blockchain, and you've mentioned previously, like, there are a lot of blockchains out there now. I'm hoping that you can touch upon... Um, just this concept that people have heard of mining and how does that all play in or explain how that is relevant to the blockchain and are these other uses of the blockchain similarly constrained by miners or is that just a cryptocurrency? No, they, they're, yeah, they're all constrained because anything that we've been talking about where you have bitcoin or you have an a, nft or you have a blockchain with or you have nfts or you have smart contracts all of these rely on this on blockchain and there are different blockchains that have different ways to do it but every single blockchain it, it, that touches any of these things requires um, what is either referred to as mining or validation. In some cases, we call it mining, depending on how the blockchain works. In some cases, we call it validation. But you have to have a lot of servers, mm -hmm. and the servers have to kind of, like, do work. And that results, that results in the agreement as to what is going on the ledger. So that's what we're doing is we're keeping, remember back in the early part of our conversation, we said the trick is how do you keep this public ledger where it's actually accurate and somebody doesn't like give a thousand dollars to some people and uh, one person and a thousand to another when they only had a thousand to give away. Like, right. so, so yeah, there, everything relies on mining or validation and that relies on a lot of servers and that's what has also raised the issue about the um, 
the environmental efficiency and the use right. of electricity. Now, um, some of the blockchains have come up with new techniques that are much more environmentally friendly, um, but they're, you know, we always have to have this. Now, these these servers have to be run by people, and these people basically earn money from a blockchain for the work they do. I've heard you use terms like gas. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only one I can remember off the top of my head. But yeah. throttling, no. Well, yeah, there's a concept um, in blockchains where if you're a user and you wanted to, like, send an N if you wanted to buy an NFT, you um, you would basically send a transaction to the blockchain. Okay. And your transaction gets executed or recorded on the blockchain. And it could get rejected, though? It could get rejected, yeah. Okay. Uh, and, but there's a term used in many blockchains called gas. And gas is the fee that you pay to have the, have the uh, transaction included on the blockchain. Okay. And so, um, yeah, so it's basically the fee. It's the term used for the fee that a user pays. Um, and that fee is back to, you know, the people, there's people running these servers and they get, you know, basically the gas fees go to them so that that's how they earn money for running these servers for the blockchain. I see. What other fancy weird terms are there? Let's in see. the blockchain world. Uh, I don't know if I'll remember. I mean, gas, I guess, is one. Um, I don't know. I feel like dude, I hear I don't you know. using um, some consistently when we're sitting in our office together and you're on calls, but gas is the only one I can remember off the top of my head. I see. Yeah. Well, you know, I think people are aware there's a lot of um, cryptography involved in this, and so... Uh, people have accounts and they have to sign transactions. And when you sign a transaction, you're using cryptography and you're using something called a private key and you have to make sure your private keys remain private. Um, and people have devices to help with this. And a lot of the reason why most people don't do this today is it's complicated, and there's work going on to make this all easier, but at the same time, you want to make it easier, but you want to make it safe. You want to maintain privacy or at least understand what level of privacy you're getting. So um, that's maybe another thing people have heard of is signing transactions. And Nah, that's not what I'm thinking of. There's right. just another word out there that I feel hmm. you've used regularly, and it isn't private key so all right well I maybe it'll come to you continue to be a mystery I'll all right have to write it down the next time i hear you talking about it on your work calls all right but uh thank you so much jonathan this has been riveting thank you for helping produce or not produce but create this uh well multi-part podcast i will since we've touched on it a few times maybe i'll just say one thing about medical records oh yeah right Okay. Can I just sure. throw in something there? That sure. 
there is a huge problem. Well, okay, there's two huge, two big problems um, that relate to health that blockchain could help with. One is that the portability of your medical records. If you are uh, traveling, let's say, and you have a health issue, um, immediate access to your medical records could be critical to you as an individual, and um, there's no good way to do that, to share medical records. Well, isn't it just true, absent that, because a lot of people don't travel and wouldn't have need for their medical records on the road, but even just if you're switching doctors, even, it's such a pain exactly. in the butt. It's like doctor's yes. offices still seem to use fax machines, for the love of God. Yes, and it's just like, so I should always have access to my medical record. I shouldn't even have to ask the doctor and, for it. And you should, that's right, the medical record should really be yours, and you choose with whom and when to share it. Right. And that's how it should be. That's how it kind of needs to be if we're going to have better health. and Healthcare. Healthcare. Yeah. And so that's one thing. And the other thing is that, um, which is a general thing that blockchain can help with is supply chain. There, there, um, if you are taking medicine, the, uh, if that medicine is not what it's purported to be, or there's some problem in the different components that went into that medicine, um, that is actually obviously a big risk for you as a, you know, as somebody who goes to the pharmacy and gets some medicine and takes it, you're trusting the pharmacist. The pharmacist is trusting the places that they get the different components yes, from. Yes, and I think we see, though, that that yep. system already works. You don't hear that much about you well, know, people getting wrong medications. I thought you were going to go somewhere different here with, like, a prescription smart contract where it can, like, keep track of, okay, when you get to this, then it automatically refills for you. You don't even have to go to your doctor to get refills. You could do that. Set it up. Like, I'm giving you refills for two years, and you don't have to keep coming to me. But I will say that there have been more supply chain problems than you may have heard about where people have gotten bad medicines, and it is also a risk. It's also, a like, an attack risk. All right, we're going to pause here for a second because, as I've mentioned previously, we are driving, and now we have to figure out which way we are going. 